Welcome to the Loyal Locals Podcast, episode 012, episode 12. We made it into number 12. We're keeping it consistent, finally. Mr. Steve Brokoff, Mr. Drew Stack, what's going on, guys? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. Drew, you're not even in San Diego right now. No, I'm in Christmas land. Uh, frozen, <laughs> I guess. What? Yeah, it's uh, no, I'm in uh, the land of milk and honey, or Miliwake, as the Algonquins call it, the good land. Um, it is a uh, place on a river next to a lake, and it's a wonderful place, but uh, it's been going through some rough times lately, but the people here are wonderful people, and it's a good place. So it's good to be here with family and, and here for uh, my brother-in-law's wedding. So it'll be a fun week, and I uh, got to chat with some Ford Madison peeps who have been pretty cool to us the last week or so, so... The whole tie-in with uh, kind of supporting them and supporting their group was kind of great to come here in person and uh, not be with them, but kind of physically be here in spirit. So it's fun. Oh, that's awesome, man. No, I've seen some of the pictures that you posted on social media and stuff, and it definitely looks like a Christmas uh, wonderland over there. Just it's not green. Everything's green. Not quite so with trees, snow so yet. But no, yeah. And it, it, when it snows, it is very much that. But uh, I'm currently in a room staring at a Christmas tree, as we described, for no inexplicable <laughs> reason in, in September. So it's pretty we'll cool. Bypass that and move on to our more interesting parts of the episode. Well, sir, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we also have a very special guest, so we're gonna kind of uh, get through this sadness that was the last game. <laughs> so we'll review that. We'll talk about the standings, a little bit of an assessment there. Guess what? We have some new players. I know if you listened in on the last episode, you heard us talk to Mr. Miguel Berry. That's right. I said it with an accent. I rolled my R's. Miguel Berry. Uh, no, Miguel Berry was uh, on the show, and then we have three new additions as of today. And then we're going to get ready and preview our upcoming match. Who I have no idea who we're playing. Who are we playing? Vegas. Vegas? In Vegas. It's the makeup game from the postponement. Oh, man. This one's going to be a fun one because yep. of who they just brought in. Okay, so let's get into it, okay? Uh, we're going to, first of all, welcome our very special guest for the night. We have been kind of persuading our leadership to come in eileen was the first one to actually say you know what i'll, I'll do it uh we we kind of tricked tom because tom was just there with equipment it just kind of happened this one's actually pre-planned <laughs> we get to talk to somebody that you may have not heard from yet but you've definitely seen her work she is the director of merchandise for the local supporter group Eileen Burns, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good, man. We're excited to have you. And yeah, Drew's showing us on, so we're on Skype right now. You guys can see it. Sorry, but eventually we'll make this visual. But he is showing us a beautiful mustard yellow. I think that's the proper, the proper name, right? Yeah. Prop, the the proper name, mustard yellow. I think it was... I think it was Heathered Mustard. Uh, I think, you, I think that's... Mustard, the, yeah. yeah. Heathered nice, Mustard. Soft. Cotton blend. Stone ground, stone ground mustard. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's probably one of my favorite uh, teas, by the way. I, lo I, love, I love that tea. But we have so much more stuff, uh, and we'll talk about it later, obviously. We're not going to right away start selling stuff to you. That's not Can why I just we're say, here. when you guys coerced Tom into doing that, his podcast, yeah. uh, I saw that getting set up, and I said, see you guys. I'm out. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I and, I left. That, yeah. <laughs> and now we are a good here. exit point. Now I'm here. You know what? It, this is a bummer still. And it kind of, you know, doing these podcasts now reminded me that we can't be with each other. And it's a, it 
such a bummer. It's like uh, I want to be in the same room recording this rather than on Skype, and it's just you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Wop, wop. One of the things I would say is it, to that point is that help me. <laughs> Yeah, Perfect. sorry. I had to wait for the <laughs> trombone there. But uh, the thing is that one of the things I think has helped me feel more connected and probably some of our members is the merch, right? So part of Eileen's yes. uh, role here has definitely enhanced my kind of connection to our members personally, as well as I think a lot of us. And then um, just from feeling more connected to what's going on in the day to day and putting stuff out and just programming, you know, some of it into the website, that's all been, you know, my just contribution. But them producing this and kind of coming up with this has really made it feel like there's life being brought in. So I will say thanks, Eileen, for kind of helping bridge some of this when it has been, you know, we're still obviously recording this over Skype and everything. So uh, we yeah. really appreciate you and and kind of helping, you know, that's part, partly why she's the one of the first ones we asked is that she's been really relevant in this period, too. Hey, we have a well, quote. Shout out to Travis, too, our great oh. artistic mastermind who... Um, is the only reason we can put out cool merch. So he definitely deserves a majority of the credit. Someday we'll get him to come on the show. He's still a little shy. I don't Someday. know. And he doesn't like take anything seriously. It, it takes a while. You just have to <laughs> roam the forests, you know, a while and you know, get a lot of just bad Pokemon until he's, you get it. He's get like a Mewtwo more than a Pikachu. He's like a mixture. Uh, he's like that legendary. You know, get some other designers Pokemon on and you then make him get. jealous and then he'll pop out. Yeah. I yeah. think that's the way to do it. <laughs> We need, to, we need to find a big enough net to just like trap him, put him, put him somewhere where we can actually interview him and force him. So you uh, caught a Travis. <laughs> congratulations. So we're six minutes in. We have a quota, guys. We have to meet. Uh, so what I mean by quota is uh, tequila. Are you guys all ready for the chart real quick? Yes. Yeah. Everybody. Cheers. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oof, that one hit a little... A little different. Today. Oh, that was actually good. That was real. Is now when I crack my beer I... open? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now beer. I'm having uh, a beach retreat by Pizza Port. Keeping it local. IPA. What are you guys having? Eileen, what are you having? I'm enjoying a vice pineapple pomegranate from Wild Barrel oh, in San Marcos. Oh, one of my favorites. Yes. Love that one. Steve, what are you drinking? It's a hot beer. Keeping that. Keeping it with the keg. Is that what you're doing? Okay. Yep. I I don't know what Steve's doing, but I yep, can't hear him. Steve. Drew, what are you drinking? Yeah. I've got uh, a beer you cannot buy outside of the state that I'm in, which is a Spotted Cow by New Glarus. It's just south of Madison, keeping it in the theme with our Ford friends. Um, but nice. it is a wonderful beer. It's a cream ale, similar to a uh, um, Mother Earth uh, Cali Creamin, but it's <gasps> a little bit more kind of in that almost white range it's between a belgian white and kind of a cream ale but it's it's excellent that's so nice maybe i'll try and sneak that some back good. on the plane for you guys we'll see yeah you can't buy do it, it anywhere but here do it do it. i was muted i was muted so yeah sticking it with the keg buena vista ipa from booze brothers shout nice. out to those guys love their love their beer love their brewery love what they do so hey um i just had a creamsicle actually so there you go true mm. yeah mm. Was, those are so good too i know shout out to my oh, they're so good yeah, got, it's, it's clear. It's clear, so it's not as creamy, but it is has taste to it. It's got the vanilla, and uh, it's an excellent beer. And on tap, pretty much anywhere here. Once you get out, get off the airplane, they've got cases of it. So they hey, feel like you know it's a very specific thing here for the audio. Employee owned company too. It's pretty cool. Everybody comes to this podcast go. just to listen to this right here. So shh, keep it, keep it quiet. There you go. All right, 
Oh, I'm gonna and I'm gonna use my uh, awesome Yeti uh, mm. pint glass cooler thingy majiggy that I got for my birthday. As we say, is that a birthday present? Yeah. 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 All right. Still moving along. So let's see. Let's see if it lasts. Let's see if it keeps it cold the entire pod. Uh, let's talk about this guy. So we need to review this past game. Golly, so many thoughts, so many things that just. Uh, so frustrating. It was it was one of those frustrating matches that was just like okay, we were expecting so much more. I think just with Miguel Berry coming in, which is unfair to him as a player, to be honest. But golly, the poor guy just—he was trying to play a Chicharito position where it was like somebody feed him the ball, but nobody was doing anything. Yeah, no connection. Steve, go for and it, I man. Think, Rip him apart. Yeah, so I was stoked to see him get the start up top, but like Jerry said, I just—he didn't get the ball. I think I. I mean, this is off the top of my head, but he played like 70 minutes and he had like 10 touches or something like that. Um, I looked the setup after the game. I don't Six have a right in front of me, unfortunately, but it was, um, he like barely touched the ball, man. And I mean, the one opportunity he did have in the second half when he kind of had that breakaway, um, and unfortunately he didn't convert it. You know, those are kind of the chances that you bring in those big strikers for. And he, he didn't connect. Um, but at the same time, you can't necessarily blame him for if he only touched the ball 10 times, it's more of a midfield problem than it would be a something I call, you know, you, you can't really blame the striker if he only touches it 10 times. You, um, I think, number one, he has to get more involved. Number two, um, you, you, you've got to figure out better service. You've got to figure out a way to carry the ball forward and and, um, and get him more service. Um, and that's more evident from, you know, one of the stats that I'll highlight. Um, we had the edge in accurate passes, 387 to 322. But 281 of those passes were in our own half. So that's 73%. Um, so, yeah, we have possession, but it's not really possession with purpose. You know, we don't we don't have a whole lot of possession in the in their attacking, you know, their attacking half. Um, we're putting pressure on their back line. Um, so, yeah, something's got to change. And Jerry kind of touched on it in the beginning, but we brought in some new players. So that's super exciting. Yeah, we'll see um, if we'll see if there's any changes there. But, I mean, just to throw it out there real quick. Also, we had Beverly McAngula. Uh, starting, which is nice. Um, I was expecting a little bit more from him, but, uh, you know, somebody that we can count on, and I think it's our solid player that we're like, okay, this guy's in. We know he's going to do the best possible 100%, and I'm so glad to have him back, is Kempen. Mm-hmm. So excited to see him back there again. But, uh, I mean, the 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 style that we were set up and when the lineup came up initially on the – App? What was it like a five four one, Drew? Yeah, it was. It was a four five one, right? Or was it a five four one? Yeah, you no, you're right. Four five one. Okay, yeah, it was a four five one, which is weird, right? Because we've been running three back most of the games, or um, kind of having a three five two. Typically, uh, is what in practice it, it played out to be. Sometimes a, uh, more of a three um, five one one, uh, but typically somewhere in that range of having a couple wing backs and having a three back center system, but. Um, it did seem to be that it was more of a kind of stout uh, defense. They definitely are trying to apply a different method, and obviously with three new players coming in now, um, which won't start tomorrow probably uh, or whenever you you listen to this, but at uh, Vegas, uh, you won't be able to probably see them right away, but I do think the system might change a little bit now that you are getting players who can plug in because it does feel like we've had a hole in our midfield, especially for like a six roll, um, mm-hmm. which we'll get to, but that seems to be very apparent in this game is that they tried to sit back so they could kind of collectively help kind of suck in the ball and push it forward. 
Uh, but again, we've struggled with that, it seems like, especially in the last run of four or five games, that it, it's very obvious we needed help there in a, in, in a form of a player who does it because uh, <laughs> we just don't have anybody who's successfully done it. And so formationally, that was kind of the idea, I think, is to sit back, um, suck up some of that pressure, and then make key passes and push the ball forward. But as we said, we just didn't get Barry released uh, except for one or two notable exceptions. Uh, which just is not enough for a player of his caliber to just not get him the ball enough and not get him enough touches. He's just not going to be effective. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things, man, where it's it's really easy for us to say, yeah, we watched USL last season and, you know, we know how it's going to be played. And for a team coming in their first season, they came in probably thinking certain things and then obviously COVID happened. And then on top of that, the fact that USL works in such a way where the majority of players are only going to have a one-year contract. So those squads that they may have seen last year and scoped out and been like, oh yeah, we're ready to take on Reno, right? It's not exactly what you would would have thought that you were going to face. And so going into this season, I think we had much higher expectations in Literally looking at this team, it's like they're barely building it. It feels like they're in preseason shape or they're trying to figure out what what they're going to play, how they're going to play, you know, what uh, players are going to be starting. Because to be fair, there's a lot of competition in, in certain spots. Their quality, they're just not playing like a like a squad yet together. Yeah. I feel like they fix, they fix one thing one week, like the week before our defense, you know, Reno just completely dominated our back line. And yeah. then, and then, you know, in this, this last game, um, you know, they kind of figured that out. They didn't have a problem really getting the ball from defense to central midfield. The problem then was getting the ball from central midfield to the top line. You know, they figured they fixed one thing either by substitution or working on it, you know, seemingly working on it in training. And then, um, you know, there's another problem that arises and it's like they're, it's patchwork fixing things. Um, and I will say, yeah, like Jerry said, you know, one year contract. So, how do you, this isn't like a system, you know, in MLS or you know, European league where you have multi-year contracts and you can work on something one season and then improve on it the next. Like, I don't, we don't know which, I mean, number one, we don't know which players are on one-year contracts or multi-year contracts on our own team. Number two, you know, if this roster has a lot of turnover, then whatever we build this year, you know, we might have to start all over next year. So I think that, you know, maybe some adjustments in That's scary. how things work and, and some tactics and that kind of stuff may be needed to think a little more short-sighted you know the whole three five two is kind of a complicated system yeah so you know with wing backs and who, how, when to go forward and when to go back and when to show and when not and how to play defense you know so i think and i think you know we started as a four back uh, i i liked seeing that i think that worked out better so um i'm interested to see how this keeps improving through the season also with the new signings if those players improve just the overall quality on the pitch um but yeah, it was a disappointing result, you know, to not score again. Um, to even emphasize that even further from what I said before, we only had four total shots, and we had none of those on target. Yeah, zero. I tweeted that out, actually. I, I think it was while the game was still going. Oh, no, the game had just ended, and then the stats came up, and I took a screen cap of it on my phone, and I posted it at Twitter, and I was like, zero shots on target zero yeah. that's unacceptable we had the most possession berlin and donovan managed club dude thank you 
not to pick it there, but you no, know, it's like for, for it. an offensive minded club who has told us they'd be offensive minded and they said they would play a little different on the road. But you'd still have to say you you would expect a club that with Nate and Landon and not just Landon, but also Nate, who also has a mind that's obviously more offensive minded and likes to think in those kind of forward thinking passes. Um, we haven't been able for for two people who are mentally really obsessed with the concept. We're struggling at being able to get those balls that are kind of creating good chances and then again, putting them away. But it, it's hard to see maybe more than two or three that felt like were clear cut chances that were high probability goals. And so beyond not having any shots on target, the generation in this game was, was difficult. And obviously Orange County, as I'd like to say, will just kind of grind you down. Um, and that seemed to be their philosophy here is that they just kind of ground out whatever uh, you know big stick we had to come into the game with. They just kind of made it into a little toothpick. And uh, that's what we walked out with was a draw that felt like a loss because we just didn't have we, we had a couple chances and we almost had a miracle, but we just, you know, honestly didn't feel like we played very much our game, I think. Yeah, Drew, and I actually have a question for you because as you're talking, something popped into my mind. And that is that in the beginning of the season, we heard Donovan actually say, we're going to play this style, you know, quote unquote, this style at home. And when we're away, we're going to play this style. Did that change? That mentality of we're going to go and be that team that just attacks attacks at home and just wants to score and puts on the show at home, right, and wins. And then we're going to fall back a little bit, defend away, and just wait for the counterattack. That's basically what they said at the beginning of the season that was going to happen. Yeah. And, and I, I said we really were an in-person supporters that. group, and that has changed too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I will say with COVID, you know, it's, it's hard to say, is that them? Is that the delayed season? But that's definitely their mindset. I know that's the thought process. So that probably hasn't changed from a thought process standpoint, but it's very obvious that it's changed in terms of just trying to find consistency. I think that they just want consistency, and that's what I was driving at, is that it's hard to find that when now we're bringing up new players, but you also can't keep throwing the same 11 guys out there or even 13 or you know mix of 14, it seems like, and expecting different results. That's insanity, right? You have to mix it up, and you have to try different things. And at this point... You have to find what works and find the players that works. And it seems like they're using a lot of SoCal guys, a lot of guys they probably could tender a contract to after the season. So um, it does feel like we're moving in a positive direction in terms of signings as well as evaluation. And the team is doing different things in this game. So hopefully that changes and tomorrow, you know, against the lights and, and keep rolling in a positive direction. We like to beat the lights. Uh, we haven't lost them yet. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, we, we didn't lose. All right, yeah. we it's we might sound a little negative, no. but we take the we take the point and we move we forward. I mean, this was this was a way, so we will definitely take the point. Sure. But yeah, I, there's, I feel there's like nothing wrong with that. I think that we felt we the, the four of us felt like this should have been a win. I think that's what's the hard part, right? Like we fought for it, but at the same time, also, I don't think that we deserved it. Like it just it's yeah. a really weird feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think the negative, the, the, this while we're being negative about it, is because we still couldn't score. I mean, and the offense still looked, you know, poor after looking poor for five or six games in a row. Now, um, you know, it's not improving. And I know we got Barry, and he's kind of brand new, and you know, we got these new signings, and and those guys, you know, should help. But still, you know, I'm 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 cool with a away draw to one of the best teams in USL. There's nothing, you know, no doubt about that. 
Um, what I'm not okay with is can, not seeing improvements in the offensive side of our game. Yeah, for sure. And just I want to see us improve. I want to see we struggle one game. Let's make improvements and let's improve our chances and get shots on goal. And we have we had no shots on goal. I just want to be positive here. We are not adding to the stats of their keeper, by the way, which is awesome. Like we're not giving him yeah. any extra points. Their keeper literally had zero saves because we, yeah. we because we had zero shots on goal. Yeah. So there's. <laughs> I mean, that's a great point. So uh, keep that in mind, you know. Uh, standings, yeah, I mean, Steve, hit, hit those, man. Hit some standings, assessments, whatever you want, man. Just talk. So, <laughs> I mean, Phoenix is the is uh, obviously on top of the group, 20 points in, in 10 matches. Um, LA Galaxy 2 and Orange County have played two less matches than us each, and they're three points higher than we are in the group. They're both at 15 points. We have 10 matches played at 12 points. Um, lights are behind us. They, are, they also have two games in hand. So um, they've played eight games and they are sitting at eight points. Uh, but they've been on kind of a roll recently. Um, as I mentioned, we play them tomorrow or more likely today when you're listening to this. Um, they recently drew Phoenix away. They actually beat Orange County 3-1. Um, I believe they just lost to, um, I can't remember who on Sunday, but they just lost. So they... Are um, they're going to be you know they're going to be an opponent they're going to be an opponent that's going to we have dominated but I think that they're going to um, hopefully we still have the number um, yep take it away yeah no for sure uh, Drew <laughs> I know man that's why hard. that's why it's I said Drew hard to sum up the last I've I've been trying to do it here through my other summarizing statements, but I just say generally that it's it's really hard to kind of put a nail head on where we're at and where we're going as a team because we just don't know in terms of, you know, what you know what's on a roster and, and where they're going to play them. You know, Guido coming in today is just a massive signing in terms of being able to unlock different players. Joe coming back gives us a real possibility at the back three working. And when you think about him and Stoneman, that's obviously your, your anchors. And anybody who knows the three-back system usually need three competent backs, but especially in a league like USL, you can probably get somebody like Salzis who has a lot of quality uh, to, to play that role, but you need two very strong, definite center-back types. And Sal, being a con- converted center-back in some ways, you need people who are going to kind of uh, model that and give him the right positioning by naturally doing it themselves or being able to, to run back by knowing that they're supposed to be tracking back to cover that. So I think that it's... It's just been, again, a, a shifting plates thing, and I hope that we unlock the right combination here by bringing in the right players and now activating a couple you know, new ones in, in different ways like, um, like Miguel, but also having some of our current players on the roster like Toomey maybe being able to open up to, to kind of do the things that he can do that we all know he can do, but getting the players the ball in the right way because he's not working as hard to win the ball back or find that pass in the middle third. Uh, he's instead in that final third where I think he's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. We have some assessment points here, uh, Steve, which you did a fantastic job on. I think, first of all, I just want to say shout out to you because you are the one that keeps us super organized. And there is no way that I would be able to do this with you guys if it wasn't for your amazingly put together documents. So I'm going to let you read these off because this is really good stuff. Yeah, so... This is kind of where I was going, and then I lost my train of thought. So thank you, Jerry and Drew, for stepping in and saving, saving the podcast. The, yeah, um, you're welcome. That's why we're here. <laughs> the um, <laughs> so I did some digging 
on be, just because of how poor the offense has been in goal scoring, um, I was kind of wondering, you know, let's let's compare that to the rest of the USL. Um, and the evidence kind of points to this is not a we need a one striker problem. It's this isn't, you know, this is a system problem. This is something isn't working um, kind of systemically. So the my, the point I want to make is, you know, we're tied for the second worst in goals per game in all of USL Championship. Um, North Carolina FC, they've only played seven games and they've scored four goals. So that's 0.57 goals per game. Um, we have played 10 matches and scored seven goals. And that's a 0.7 goals per game. The, the, tied with um, Oklahoma City, who have... Um, Seven points, so they've only scored seven points out of ten, but they have they've scored the same amount of goals. Um, Jeez. And to talk about Vegas again, Vegas has played eight games and they sit at eight points, but they've scored fourteen goals in eight matches. So they've doubled our goals in two less matches. Um, it, it, it just points that, yeah, we keep talking about these these uh, these new players. Maybe maybe. Alejandro Guido can really help us. Um, maybe you know Rubio, Ruben can can step in and finish these chances and and really become that striker that we've needed, both hold up, both darting, both you know kind of everything. So maybe it is. Maybe those two players can really link up and 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 plug a lot of the holes. I'm sure hopeful because otherwise I think we're looking at um, more system problems and not just player personnel problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the bummer part of it, right? And you know what I was thinking as you're saying that? I'm like, man, maybe we should get into the stadium, sneak in, and put some arrows and point at where the goal is. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but apparently there's a meme going around. it. Like, this actually worked for a club somewhere in Europe. So, I mean, I'm just saying. All right. But, like, seriously, though, moving on, yes. I feel like the next thing that we need to talk about is the next coming game. Yeah, we going to Vegas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> of course he would. Yeah, of course I have to. Come on. As a matter of fact, at the time of recording, we, as in the club, we are already in Sin City. Uh, we have six matches coming up in September, by the way. This is like a super condensed schedule. Because of postponements, this is one of the postponed games. Right? Thanks to th those darn Vegas players going out on Vegas nights and uh, Yeah, the team's been in COVID. Vegas once already, so they've done a rehearsal. We'll see if they can Jeez. get it right this time. Yeah. Lights are on a short rest, so that's a good thing. Uh, they had a great run of form, though. Uh, they beat Tacoma 1-0. They drew with Phoenix. Drew with Phoenix. Drew. Drew. They drew with Phoenix. What? 3-3. Three, three. I know. I <laughs> that my ears perk up, and then I'm always like, oh, it's not me. It's just other teams having middling performances. But that's a massive victory for us in a lot of ways because it gives yes. us at least a way to work back into the table, right? So interesting stuff that they keep kind of messing with the table for us. So let's take advantage. And, um, you know, if, they, they, if they're going to do that for us, let's be so nice to get those three points. Yeah. And then they beat Orange County. How did they beat Orange County? They beat them 3-1. <sighs> so what? speaks. That even speaks to the last game. You know, you, you can't even really say, well, Orange County has such a, such a great defense. Like, they just give up three goals to Vegas. So there's no, really no excuses oh. for our performance. Didn't they sign somebody, though? Uh, dude, Slatan Slayer. I was so – okay, so I've had conversations with 
this player on through Twitter, and he is such a cool guy. And he is one of the the main people for the MLS uh, Black Players Association. So he is very much involved with that. And this man, the moment that he stepped up to Slatan the way that he did, by the way, he is way shorter than Slatan. I, uh, I I hope that you would look up Quincy Amariqua, the new player for Las Vegas Lights. This guy is a character. He has a beautiful child, beautiful wife, beautiful family, and he is probably one of the coolest dudes you will ever, ever get to talk to. I'm, I'm telling you, like, he is just a character, and I think that that character is going to bring a lot to Las Vegas. I hope he's not ready to play tomorrow, honestly. They just announced him today. The guy is super good, and uh, he's just a good all-around guy, and I don't want to have to play against him because he's just... Oh, we're going to have to. That's right. We still have another game after this one, don't we? Against uh, Vegas? No. I believe this is our last game against Vegas. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we'll go back and check make that. it into the playoffs, and we both get the first two seeds. That would, I, th- I think it's st- uh, statistically impossible at this point. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I hope so. All right. Yeah. Well, um, I guess there's a couple of other things that we need to talk about real quick before we jump into a conversation with Eileen, which, by the way, we haven't like brought her in because she said not to. She, I'm just gonna say, <laughs> she's there though. She's you can awkwardly throw to her like we throw to each other. I want to let you guys just go okay. for it. You know? my, my only she doesn't want to be is, awkwardly thrown to. Yeah, like yeah, the rest no, of us. I, I just my only yeah. feedback is I'm stoked that John Kempen is back, and thank goodness because he's just a force back there. So yeah. I'm just grateful. But yeah. What no, you guys said. It's like putting on a comfortable <laughs> sweater, right? When you when John Kempen's sure. back there, it's just like having the right like sweatshirt on. And That's exactly like, oh. what I think of when I see John Kempen in goal is a comfortable yeah. sweater. Yeah. We're gonna make a Elaine, so We're gonna we make, a make a John Kempen hoodie. Oh, are we gonna make a Kempen, Kempen sweater? <laughs> yeah. A knitted Kempen there sweater? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. This is how the this is how the merch train works, guys. Oh my god! Exactly. Instead of an ugly sweater, ugly Christmas sweater is gonna be a beautiful Christmas sweater with John Kempen right in the front of it. Yes. A bunch of like uh, goalkeeper mitts, and, and yeah, I, um, and candy canes. What do they call it? Yeah, shut out, shut out, Christmas sweater <laughs> and deer. I don't know why, or goats. Yeah. Or I don't know. All right, deer. so <laughs> of little, instead, instead of the well, instead of the uh, snowflakes, you, instead of mittens, you have goalie gloves. Yeah. And then you, instead I, of I snowflakes, like... you have you have the little netting in the goal. Dude, I feel like our there listeners automatically know like when the tequila kicks in and the beer kicks in. They're like, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> They're yep, saying uh, nonsense again. Mom, they're saying nonsense again. I don't know what they're saying over there. The uh, half hour mark every time. <laughs> it's, it's literally. We're, okay, we're almost there, guys. I promise. We have new players. We need to jump into this, okay? <sighs> yes, we talked to Miguel Berry, who, by the way, great addition, did not show up in this last game. And I don't think that it was his fault. We will see if he has something else to bring. I, I think that he needs to have the right team behind him to support mm-hmm. him. Because he will be the main character as long as he has proper supporting characters around him. And so far, he just does not. So that's where it's going to yeah. be difficult. However, we brought in a couple of new people. Uh, Tarek Morad, coming from uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies, if I'm not mistaken. And he was also <laughs> in Louisville City SC. He was... Uh, he, he has some... He former has, anteater at, at UCI. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. So he has... Yeah, so he's got a cell connection. He's from Los Angeles. Uh, he has yeah. 
the experience within uh, within the sport to bring something. He, he's actually been there for a little bit already training. It's funny because there was a couple of pictures that were, were posted by the club, and I was like, Who, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Who's this guy? That was um, funny text. <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> Tarek Morat. So uh, he's 28 years old, not, you know, not very old, which is good. And by the way, Chivas USA, youth career. He started with Arsenal FC and then went on to Chivas USA. Where then, in, to, in 2013, right. he played with the Orange County Soccer Club. Then it was known as OC Blues. Um, so just, you know, to throw some stuff out there, o- Oklahoma City Energy. I think we just talked about OKC Energy, actually, um, and how terrible they are. So it's just one of those things, man. I mean, the guy has the skill. Um, he's young. He's not very old. He's six foot two. Center back, by the way, to fill in the spot while we wait for uh, Greenspan, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just looking forward to see him on, on the field. Uh, Steve, who else have we gotten? Sir, I'm going to let you take the next one. Yeah, so um, I think we'll save, I think, the biggest. Well, I don't know. I think they're probably pretty equal uh, to, to go last. But um, Rubio Rubin, uh, another striker, former U.S. national U- U.S. national team, U.S. youth national team player. Um, came all the way for you know, started his career in Holland, went to Denmark and Norway. Um, former player, former Sholos player, went to Dorados, and um, now he's found his way to San Diego. Um, proficient goal scorer, you know, super highly touted prospect. Um, when he was a kind of a kid, um, I think he's he's kind of found his way here to kind of resurge his career a little bit. Um, I, I'm super excited to see him on the field. Uh, we, we had the fortune, the club has been super fortunate and, uh, they gave us access to him earlier today. So we had an interview with him. That was really exciting. And, um, I, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him on the pitch. Yeah. Sorry. There was a little bit of an audio thing there, but, uh, we're good. Uh, Drew, do you want to introduce our third and final uh, contestant. Oh, yeah. I definitely will. I'll just say real quick about Mr. Rubin. He was just a fantastic interview. I'm really excited to see what he does and has that soccer DNA, I think, a lot, which uh, will hopefully inject into this team a bit, um, which we talked about. But it's just yeah. being where he grew up and, and coming from that Portland background all the way through Liga Mekis is kind of his home base. So it's it's a very good mix for, I think, what we're looking for in terms of a player. So I hope he can perform. But our final addition here, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is just a man who will, I believe, be the Megazord or the Zord that helps unlock our Megazord. I think we were one Zord shy of a Megazord in our midfield, uh, as I alluded to. In a is he the Green uh, Ranger? Are you calling today. him the Green Ranger? Yeah. He is might he Tommy? be the Green Ranger. We might be looking. Well, we were we had a Megazord. The Megazord fell down, obviously, the last few games. But we might be needing a Super Megazord. Well, it's an Ultra Sword, isn't case. it? Yeah, right? I, yeah, it's the Ultra Zord. <laughs> He calls it on his little flute, and then he comes out of the water. And this man uh, would be Alejandro Guido uh, from uh, our San Diego, California, um, as a uh, as somebody who's been around and uh, played at a lot of you know different regional teams, and and is being loaned to us from one LAFC, Mr. Jerry, um, but is a uh, just one hell of a midfielder, and it, he was definitely the player we saw the most reaction from opposing fan bases. Uh, as well as even LAFC fans saying, man, we don't want to see this guy go because <laughs> he's a talented player, but we're excited to see him get some playing time and 
um, you know, get out there. So I'm I'm extremely excited to see what he can unlock as somebody who naturally understands the role of getting the ball and feeding it to people who are going to be in that kind of final third to link up those passes as opposed to what we saw this last game, which was a lot more of what I've been used to, uh, unfortunately, with my European team, uh, is watching a lot of long balls out of the back and just trying to make it work. Uh, instead, getting those link-up passes that Nate has talked to us about time and time again um, and finding those kind of one-two uh, touch into the, the, the third and, and really opening people like Miguel and then uh, uh, Mr. Rubio Rubin uh, up for those kind of uh, quick strikes. Yeah, I think, sorry, I think ahead, with sir. Alejandro, what I'm so most excited about is, and I, I mean, I talked about it earlier, not having one player to kind of solve this, but if there is one player, we need a central midfielder that can just put his foot on the ball and control and command the game. And I'm really, really hoping that he can do that. I'm hoping he can just, you know, slow the game down in possession, put your foot on the ball, find your passes, carry the ball forward, um, you know, go at people. Um, I just hope he stays healthy. You know, injuries have been, have been his have been his crux, you know, if he can stay healthy, um, I'm so hopeful. Yeah, that's one of the really tough positions to kind of crack with an LAFC. Uh, I'm a little familiar with that club, and I can tell you that Alejandro Guido <laughs> would probably have a much easier time to get on the starting lineup if he is in San Diego Loyal. And I think that we need him in such a way that – he yeah. will get a lot of playing time. This guy is fantastic. Unfortunately, just like Steve said, he was hurt. He was hurt for a large part of um, you know, his initial season with LAFC. He actually didn't even get to play. We thought Alejandro Guido was just a make-believe person at some point because we just never saw him out on the field. He was practicing on his own. And then actually I, I went back and I saw some video where uh, the LAFC posted a video of, uh, I think it was one of the players went around their new training headquarters and he was there, uh, you know, getting like a massage or something. He was doing some sort of stretching and we were like, oh my God, Alejandro Guido sighting. You know, like it was one of those times when it's like, dude, okay, apparently he's real. He's there. He's training. He's wearing an LAFC jersey, but he was hurt for so long that we didn't even know that he was actually back in training. And then now you look at some comments and some of the LAFC supporters are like, I, I honestly didn't even know that he was still on the roster. And those that do remember him were like, yo, that's, I'm glad he's going to get some playing time because he needs it. We want to see him do well because they understand how important it is to have that position kind of like, you know, just have some good backups there. However, LAFC does have a strong midfield. And we do not. Yeah. So having Alejandro Guido is going to be huge, man. And as we're talking to Rubio Ruben, also Alejandro Guido having that connection with the uh, men's national team, the United States, I should say, youth national team and, and national team in general. As we're talking to Rubio, I could tell Steve was like super excited. So, Steve, how do you feel? Is there like so, is there a connection there to the national team that we're just like not aware of or what's going on? I mean, there's um, maybe, you know, the GOAT, uh, arg uh, arguable, I'll say arguable GOAT, you know, kind of connected to our club and, you know, the national team. There's arguable? Is that e even Rubio what? said himself in our interview yeah. that it's not arguable. So I guess it's no longer arguable when the players say it themselves. But yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm super excited to see Alejandro um, on our squad. Yeah. So, I, Same. We'll see. We'll see how these guys fit in. You know, really only a month left. 
Um, like Jerry said, these are usually short contracts, but I'm nevertheless excited to see the club making moves to at least tell us, the supporters and the fan base, that the results that they've been putting out in the field are not acceptable and they strive for better and they're going to keep striving for better no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think it's not you know, far-fetched to say that the playoffs are definitely at arm's length, um, but they're going to keep fighting for it as long as there's a chance and this proves it. So I think that's very exciting. It's very promising. I, I like that the club I support is has that mindset. They're not just throwing the towel in with, you know, eight games left. They're just, they're, they're not just saying, ah, you know, we're not going to make it. It looks a little too far away. They're still making moves. They're still striving for better. They're still trying to improve. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. Drew, local players too. That's the thing. I think local players, like that's, what's cool. Like we all said in our surveys, when they first came to us as a club, what do you value about a club winning? I think a lot of us said was number one. Winning is always a big deal. We all want to win. And then beyond that, it was what locally, you know, how can they be different than other clubs? And the Padres have been great uh, as a major league club at trying to promote uh, talent, but not all that talent. And every once in a while, you get somebody like a Greg Garcia, you know, or somebody like that. He's local, which is great, but it's just not as much space for San Diego's amazing baseball market, created an amazing amount of baseball players over the years. But there's never been an emphasis on signing San Diego guys, right? It's just not been part of their ethos as a club. Um, you know, similarly, the Chargers. Uh, for a number of years also you know kind of would do that every once in a while and it was nice but this club has made part of their dna from day one uh with our first player uh being a san diegan through the core uh and and ever since then making sure that it's a good mix of the best talent we can get plus the best people who understand what the market is and understand what's so special about this place so to me that's also pretty promising that continually even if they're bringing in talent mid-year or late in the year they're always going to look for guys who who have a connection. Obviously, in COVID times, it's probably easier <laughs> to pull in people locally than it is maybe internationally, right? Um, yeah. But it, it is pretty cool to see that they're always constantly looking at people who have a resume that's either included San Diego or Tijuana um, and understand the region and understand the fan base as opposed to just saying, hey, who's the hot name in L.A. that we can steal off a roster? Uh, yes. but generally also looking at guys that have San Diego to their to their credit. So I, I really enjoyed that with looking at these three signings that they're all in that vein. Absolutely. I, I love that. That's a great point. So, you know, it, we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, we'll be facing off against uh, Vegas. Probably talked about the sport itself a little bit more than we wanted to. Uh, and so we yeah. need to jump into our very, very special guest now and bring her in and talk about uh, just a lot of things that have been going on. So, first of all, I just want to say... <laughs> We are honored to have the director of merchandise, Eileen Burns. How's that for an intro, Eileen? Great intro. I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt and everything. It's like a metal ceremony in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, you guys have license rights for this song now? Okay, so, <laughs> That's when we all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call my friend George. It's okay. It's all right. You know George? Yeah. That, that He's just hanging out these days. The He's not doing much. He ain't doing yeah. nothing. <laughs> so, uh, just one thing that I wanted to start this uh, conversation with Eileen with was the fact that as we are, you know, kind of trying to figure out how do you deal with this COVID mess and how do you keep how do you keep supporters a part of the group and feeling like this is theirs and trying to keep them communicating and, and, and again 
keeping that conversation going, a, a large part of it, yeah, sometimes it feels a little weird. Somebody brought this up actually and said that, uh, you know, Locos kind of feels a little bit like a storefront right now. And I want to bring yeah. this up because this is something that we need to talk about and, and discuss. We decided as a group that it was really important that from the beginning we're going to give back. And we can't do that without like raising funds and without, you know, finding a way to do this as a group together. And the best way that we could possibly get people still excited to continue to do things and to feel like they're a part of this is to have our name, to have their their logo. I say there as in the, the locals on on their jerseys on their shirts on merchandise on their hats on uh, a bunch of things which we're going to talk about and it was really really important for us to do that and we found the possibly the best person to handle that and you're going to hear from her in just a sec but honestly Eileen we are we are completely like completely in luck to have you and we're honored and blessed to have you as a director of merchandise so with that being said for those of you that, for everybody that hasn't really heard your story, tell us a little bit about how you connected with Merch and why you decided to take this position. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I kind of knew that uh, the locals were, well, before we called ourselves the, lo the locals, before we actually officially had uh, the support group, the supporters group together, um, I knew Steve, I knew Drew, um, other people that have sort of been involved since the beginning and um obviously i've been following san diego you know san diego soccer world for a while i was you know kind of in tune with soccer city and everything so just to have a, a team here um i knew i wanted to be a part of it in some shape or form so uh when the locals got started and we were looking to put leadership into place um I don't know, I was kind of torn between, gosh, do I really have time to be super involved in this? But also knowing that I would feel like um, like I would be missing out on, on something special if I, if I didn't you know, really dive in. So um, I have a lot of experience with merchandising, um, kind of in a similar field in music. So I thought, well, if I'm gonna offer my, um, you know, just some level of skill in, in anything, then this would probably be the angle to take it. And um, it's it's fun. So um, I'm glad to be a part of it and I'm glad to be able to offer a little bit of my experience to the group. And uh, it, it's been good so far. It's, uh, we've gotten some really great feedback. So that's exciting. Always, you wanna make sure that people are stoked on what they're getting, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying about it not being a storefront, it's hard right now with COVID because, you know, this is, it's literally our, our one connection besides social media to everybody out there. So, um, and the other disappointing part is, you know, you, you get like a cool shirt or a cool hat or something, you want to be able to, to wear it out, you know, like if you bump into another local, that's awesome. Or, you know, just to get the word out there, but at the same time, we're not, most of us aren't really going anywhere right now. So, um, you know, you can wear your mask out to the grocery store or a t-shirt. Um, that's about all we've got. You know, it's, it, when we did have a chance to um, gather together at the, the first game and, and some of the, the preseason stuff, it was so cool to look around and see all the people in, in local shirts and scarves. So that was, I'm just trying to carry that memory 
forward <laughs> through the rest of the season until we can all do this together again. For sure. Before we actually move on to anything other than what you just said, uh, I, you ta- you're talking about you're kind of connected to merchandising and music. So how how so? What I know that you've toured, uh, but kind of give us a little bit of a story of that and maybe just drop some names. I hear you're connected in a weird way to uh, to Kurt Cobain, but uh, talk talk about some things. Here, give us a little bit of background on that end. Yeah, sure. So long story short, um, I moved to New York City to go to college and I was a music business major. But um, while I was in college, I realized that the music industry is um, not the most uh, upward trajectory type of industry at the time. This was in the early 2000s. So um, while I was working at Columbia Records, I actually uh, became friends with a band that I ended up touring with for a while, and that band was the Play My Tees. So they're from Chicago. Um, you may have heard their hit single, Hey There, Delilah. And um, never that's heard pretty that much, <laughs> I started working for them right before that song became a massive hit. So uh, when I started with them, we were in a 16-passenger van in a trailer doing warp tour and it was miserable oh and Ugh. within a year we were in um a tour bus uh well not not the nicest one but it got better over the years and so i toured with them for about five years altogether. toured for about six years when it was all said and done with um a handful of artists um play my tees was my main gig but i was also doing tours with yellow card christina perry um let's see what else i did one with Lucinda williams um they're good friends of mine i never actually worked Ah. for them directly but i did do a couple tours with them um yeah just um oh my favorite bands yellow card that that warp tour two time with with play my tees was a hot warp tour too they were all warp tours all of them were absolutely miserably hot um i don't think i could have done it unless i was you know, 22 years old. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. all these years later, it was a good time, but I would never do it again. It's funny because we yeah. were, we were like on Twitter uh, and she commented on an old buddy of mine, which is a uh, Jesse Barrera from my American yeah. heart. Like, how, wait, how do you know? Wait, how do you know him? And he's just like, probably watching this conversation going like <laughs> look at these guys i'm so cool jesse, jesse <laughs> and the american heart dudes um were like some of well, some of the friends that i knew in san diego when i moved out here so like when i moved from new york out to san diego um it was partially because my best friend had moved out here like a year or two earlier but also because i knew i actually had some friends out here that i could hang with and kind of help me uh, help introduce me into just being the music scene here and stuff um so yeah jesse and and Larry and all those dudes that lived out here were, um, it was nice to know that they were out here so that I wasn't just moving to a random city by myself. So you said you moved to New York City, but where are you originally from? Yeah, I grew up in Hawaii on the island of Oahu, uh, Kailua Town, on the windward side. And my parents still live out there, so I try to get back once a year to see them. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was a small island growing up, and I, all I wanted to do was um, work in music and, you know, hang out with bands i guess so um so when i was 18 i pieced out and moved to new york city for college wow. and didn't look back um yeah i i figured when i left new york that california was about as close as i was gonna get to moving back home um and san diego is awesome because it's a lot like hawaii just not as isolated yeah that's so, so awesome did you, though geez like so i want to i want to go sorry steve i just real quick uh whenever you go back just let us all know we're all going to take a trip over there Visit okay. your parents. Yeah, you guys can come crash <laughs> my parents' house. 
it sounds good. Okay, go ahead. Steve. So, um, <laughs> so then coming, moving to San Diego, uh, can you talk about how you kind of became a sports fan of the San Diego teams? Did yeah, it just sure. I grab you and, you know, you run with it or um, kind of how did, how did you get so, so grabbed there? What a fan base to fall into, huh? San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I always, growing up, I was always like a tomboy and I loved sports. Um, only child. So something my dad and I connected over a lot. So, um, just growing up playing soccer and um, basketball and, you know, doing sports through school, AYSO. Um, when I moved to New York, my focus became music. So I didn't pay a lot of attention to sports while I was in college. I was just so um, just focused on, on music and touring and all that. And it's, it's hard to keep track of that stuff too when you're on the road and you're just living out of a suitcase. But um, so when I moved to San Diego, it gave me my first opportunity to finally have um, professional teams that I could really get behind. I didn't have that in Hawaii. So, you know, you just kind of pick and choose your teams for whatever reason when you're growing up. But um, actually the Galaxy was my MLS team when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> I loved Kobe Jones. So they, they were my team. And then when I moved to California, I did. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Enjoy the Bulldog to Tina. <laughs> sorry, I had to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm from Hawaii. We get to pick and choose our team sometimes. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kobe Jones, though, that's a good, I mean, that's a good reason to follow that club. That, that guy's a legend. So. Yeah, Kobe Jones. Was, I will yeah. allow it. I used to wear 13 also, so, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so when I moved to San Diego, it finally gave me a chance to um, to really get behind some teams. So I, I had always loved football, so I became a massive Chargers fan. And I was a little bit newer to baseball, um, but I just loved being at the ballpark. So I would go sit up in the nosebleeds at Petco any chance I got, and I would just drag some friends with me and promise to buy them a beer if they would just come with me hang out in the ballpark but um I became a Padres season ticket member in 2013 I moved here in 2008 but I was touring until 2011 so I wasn't really home a whole bunch so uh 2012 was basically my first year that I was living full-time in San Diego really so 2013 I became a Padres season ticket member um it was around that time maybe a year or so before that that I got charter season tickets um, and then when they moved, it was just the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. Like, I was, I just felt so betrayed. So I cut ties with Los Angeles as a whole. I, I stopped following the Galaxy, you know, at that point. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, now it's just sense. Padres. And then we got the Loyal. So, I'm, you know, it, it was a no-brainer to go all in for the Loyal. Like, going to soccer games when I can make it down there. Like, like going to gold games. Just it's just a fun time. And, you know, I've met so many awesome people through the San Diego sports world and a lot of them to be my closest friends. So um, that's been a, another extra benefit. And just following the teams has made the city feel a lot more like my home. And I've been here over 10 years now. So it's been great. No, for sure. It's, it's your home. But I mean, I would also cut ties with Carson 100%. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny because like every time that somebody says Chargers, like they're a Charger fan, and it's not again everybody that I've talked to where it's like, oh, do you you follow uh, American football? So what sport do you watch? And they do like this thing where their right or left hand automatically goes to the goes to the collar and goes oh, the the, the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> like they're but I, I, I don't really want to say that I support the Chargers because they're such a terrible organization, but it's it is what it is. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah. At that point, you still see you still see a lot of those. You know, they're our bums, right? So yeah. Oh, I will say at that point you still see a lot of <laughs> bumper stickers and and live and uh, and and plates uh, uh, holders right to say San Diego. So we got to find a way to to put those out on their misery 
and and put over some locals or loyal stuff on their back uh back of their car steve sorry it's been a few years now but i definitely still struggle to understand my friends that still follow the team i think now that (laughs) is gone i'm hoping that some of those people have finally jumped off that wagon um but you know I mean, it's their choice, so I can't really judge it's them. It's a drug. Yeah, I will just say, Sorry, Steve. just going to say, I, I commiserate. I was a Charger season ticket holder since 2001. Uh, um, it was my dad and I's thing. We were diehard fans, um, and I feel the exact same way. They left, and it ripped my heart out. Um, I lived, breathed, and died that team. And, uh, you, and you died hard. And they, were, they, they left. So um, I will say that I'm almost uh, – being a Padres fan now is so much fun. You know, there's so much to be excited about. San Diego Padres fan. Um, but we are locals. Uh, we are a, a loyal uh, Padres. Of course, of course. I'm just just talking to yeah. San Diego. We're just commiserating. We're just saying oh, that sorry. we lost no, someone. I, I literally, I need to get. We all lost the same person. Well, I think that's what, that makes me appreciate the loyal so much is how dedicated exactly. they are to San Diego. Yeah. How, how from the very start they've been like, you know, this is our city and, and we're your team and we're not going anywhere. So, you know, obviously that's that's going to um, build some allegiance from the people here, I would hope, and yeah. and want to see their continued success over the years so that yeah. we build a new legacy with a different team that won't leave us. A hundred percent. I need to get a, uh, a beep sound in here, like a beep. So if somebody beep. feels like cussing, you can just signal at me and I'll just play it, but I'm not. <laughs> if we talk about the Chargers, it's definitely yeah, like, happening. You should just bleep, bleep the, the whole Chargers. thing. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a I mean, it's <laughs> It was really important to me to be a season ticket holder of this club because my grandfather was a season ticket actually on both sides of the club uh, previously that we named um, since their founding. So, you know, that's pretty cool for me to be able to say, hey, you know, on both levels, I was able to jump in with this club the same way that that meant a lot to me because my grandfather did that. I was able to do it here. And what's been really fun to watch this process is the same thing my grandfather's both subscribed to me of Baron Hilton bringing that team here and, and exciting a lot of people here in Balboa Stadium back in the day. And hopefully we can do something similar to ignite a team that 50 years we look back and this is the best thing in the city going. Uh, and I, I really think that's possible. So it's been exciting, again, with people like Eileen, I think, helping bring a vision to how we can do this and, and put it into things people wear and put on them and feel very personal about um, has been really exciting. So I, I really enjoy having that basis and, and that passion for these teams, you know, put into somebody who you can tell cares about what you do and cares about what, you, you know, what we put into the clothes and make sure that we have the right shirt, the right quality of the shirt, too. So, um, you know, all that passion from those previous years, it's important because it goes into why we care and why we do what we do. Love it. We have, do we have more questions for her? I feel like we do. Steve. Yeah. So maybe. So um, let's bring the San Diego sports fandom to back to the soccer sphere. So how did you kind of then get connected with the San Diego Outlaws? Um, because that's kind of how I met you. I met you through the TIFO paintings that we did um, back, you know, in 2000, early 2017. Um, I believe that was the first time that I got connected with you. Um, so you want to kind of tell that story? Uh, yeah. Um, I ended up joining the Outlaws. Um, I, I think it must have been around, uh, was it the twenty? 20- was, it the, was the World Cup in 2013 or 2014? What year was it? 2014. So it was like right before, right around that point, um, I joined the Outlaws, and um, I don't know why I didn't join it sooner, but, uh, but you know, the World Cup is as good a time as any. So, um, so 
I think that's when I joined the Outlaws. And then I think I started going to San Diego Outlaw events. Um, probably was initially invited to some of those. Um, gosh, uh, Chris Barcia probably was the was the one that invited me out to some of them. And I, that's where I met Tom Phillips and then you, Steve. And the the cool thing about those events is just that, you know, when you when you tailgate with people, you know, you're you're wearing your outlaws gear or your red, white and blue, like you're you're part of the group. It doesn't matter if you're actually an official member or whatever, if you're there to lend your support and sit in the section, like everybody's so friendly and so welcoming. And, and you know, like Yumi immediately like, you know, just welcome me in and and then things like um, the Tifo painting, things that are away from like game days, those are awesome. Unfortunately, I don't I don't make it down to O'Brien's because it's pretty far from where I live up in Carlsbad, so I don't get to go down there that often. But doing stuff like Tifo paintings on the weekend is just such a cool bonding experience, and and introduced me to a lot of the fellow outlaws in San Diego. And then of course you start running into them in, at other um, soccer events, other sporting events in, in San Diego. So um, and then you talk to them on social media, just extends past the outlaws itself but um but yeah i mean that really probably brought me into the soccer community here in san diego which i'm super grateful for and met so many awesome people yeah that's that's amazing i mean um it, it is it's like a family right and that's what i really feel like some of my um my best friends in the world now um you know most of the people through locals most of the people that i consider my family now um, I met, you know, through the soccer culture, soccer sphere, um, and through the San Diego Outlaws. So huge shout out to what they've done. Um, but to turn it back to kind of locals, loyal, um, kind of what's your been your favorite memory, your favorite part of being in leadership journey from, you know, when we initially had those very first meetings back in, what was it, September of last year, like a year ago yeah. now, you know, to the crazy buildup that was through I mean, you could talk to the whole process, doing shirts and scarves and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of our first meetings was at Wild Barrel, and I'm drinking a Wild Barrel beer, so yeah, I think full that's circle. fitting. That's when um, I met you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that that one of that that was our first or second meeting or something. Um, yeah, that's so second. that definitely stands out in my mind as the turning point of like, yeah, this is what I want to be involved with. These these, these people are awesome. Like, I I would love to spend more time with this this crew of people. Um, and that was, that really kicked it off. I think, um, let's see some other memorable, I mean, just the, the kit reveal at stone, the restation, um, just seeing how many people had our scarves up already at that point. The season hadn't even started yet. Um, yeah. and the footage that the, the team put together after that event and just, I mean, just like seeing a sea of people and then, you know, a bunch of them holding up local scarves. I mean, that really, I think, made it feel super real um, and like a legit group. <laughs> Something about that night was special. So um, that was a good one. Obviously, like the the first game, you know, it when, you, when it all comes into fruition and, and there's people out there wearing not just loyal gear, but local shirts and, and you know, having their scarves on, I mean, that's really cool too. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of pride in, in seeing the groups have come together, um, and rep represent themselves, but then also like a, a, on a little more superficial level for me, just to see our, our gear on people and, oh, yeah. and just see oh, it. Being there's a sense of pride. I agree. Yeah. 
it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's we, how we saw it come out of plastic too. Like before, like <laughs> literally within <laughs> seventy-two hours from before that event, we saw it come out of plastic, and then a right. week before we were handing it to people, maybe a week before, and maybe like thirty, forty people. Well, then we knew everybody showed up to home and away. Felt like a lot of people we knew. Some people yeah. we didn't, but a lot nice, of the friends, yeah. a lot of the friends we we'd been comfortable with, you know, over the years. And then yeah. Stone was just very different, just to see it that was just different. Yeah, because a yeah, it just exploded across the the local sphere. It was crazy. Yeah. And I don't shout know. out to Die Hard Custom who made our scars. They did, did an awesome oh. job with that. Oh, they they're not. They're, they're, they're the best guys. Too. I'm gonna cut they're them out unless they yeah. unless they unless they're gonna uh, sponsor this podcast. I'm gonna cut you guys out. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> hit, hit, hit them up, yeah. man. Here's, <laughs> here's your one minute ad. <laughs> <laughs> if you want this to continue, we're gonna cut out every mention I of the scarf. I say that because I know I, of time. I say that because I know Eileen has built a relationship with those guys, and so we might be able to pull some strings. Eileen. Hey, <laughs> they, I get to, I'm hey, just saying they're they're, up, they're rival sponsors. Another podcast dedicated to this club. So there's just a few. Saying. Yeah, there's a few other scarves in, behind me here. Uh, yeah, there's uh, beautiful scarves. Yes, but even I, even ones we haven't sold yet. So prototypes. Some, Oh, that's true. Yeah. And and this is something that as you were talking about that, uh, you know, seeing everybody with the the scarves that you helped create. I don't know if you got to actually experience this because I don't remember where you were sitting on that faithful night when we actually played a game in Torero Stadium, Eileen. But I I was obviously all the way in the front. and, And I've said this story before and I look up and I see everybody with their scarves and I'm just like, wow, like we made this. So I can understand where that feeling comes from. It's just like the most fulfilling thing to know that something that you've created is going to be able to survive the test of time and be there for a long, long time and hopefully create a legacy that's like, hey, this club is ours and everything that you're wearing right now, like we had a hand in. That is like so cool to be able to say from the beginning. Somebody somebody's literally going to say, hey, I've never seen that tea before. And then Drew's gonna say, "Yeah, man, this is uh, this is a classic tea. This is one of the first uh, <laughs> yeah. teas that we made. Uh, Can't get this yeah. no and more." I, man. We, we do have limited the shirts edition. We made that there's literally four of that people constantly ask us to buy off our our backs. Oh, that yeah. literally we can't make again. Three hundred bucks these for these shirts paper. for sure are will stand the test of time. And I've already had my mother literally ask me about it today. And people will just look at the dog and say, "What's the dog about? What's this about?" Right and the way that you guys framed it and, and Eileen just has an eye for looking at that stuff. I really appreciate. So, um, well, you know, it, it, give tons of credit to Travis. Steve helped with a lot of that stuff. Nah, too. Don't give him any credit. Your eye for putting him where he needs to be either on the front or kind of under the word. You, you have a special knack for figuring out which of the shirts works the best. And you know, what's funny I'm to give you a compliment. Thank you. Quick, quick, funny story from my touring days. It was always I. I wasn't the designer of our merchandise for uh, for the Playway Tees, but um, I would do a lot of you know the collecting of the designs. The merch company would send us a bunch of designs, and we picked the ones that we wanted to print. And a lot of times, the ones that that myself or some of the band would think was the worst design would always sell the best for some reason. I don't. I still. Understand the science behind that. It is a weird activity, right? Where we go through this and we go, oh, this is going to be awesome. And people are going to buy this in droves or they'll just buy the thing that we're like, "Uh, we'll put it out there. We don't know how we feel about it. And then people love it. Yeah. It's, I don't know what it is, but it happens every time. I don't know. All I can say is, all I can say is, you guys are doing a much better job than the club itself is doing with merchandise. They've had some growing teams, but. um, Mic drop. I think it's going to take a turn and, and, 
make some massive improvements. So I'm excited so. to see what they're going to be coming up with here, you know, for the rest of the season and for the next season after this. I mean, it's hard. They had a lot of work to do. I mean, we had a lot of work to do to get the supporters group started, but to get a whole brand new professional team going um, in the allotted amount of time that they had, it was a lot. Yeah, so and branded right, yeah, and all that kind of one stuff. One thing yeah. that I, one thing that I'll say too is that um, you fought for from the very beginning is quality of the t-shirts and quality of the merchandise. Yes, um, and I've come to I've come to appreciate it so much more than I think I ever would before. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to? I, I don't want to just talk about what what you fought <laughs> for, but I want you to tell the story why quality is so important, even though that might eat into profit margins and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> And I don't know if it's just years of touching t-shirts and cotton blends, but, um, but you, you want to wear a shirt that feels good on your body. You don't want it to be, you know, some like dry, stiff, you know, too thick material. I mean, people have their preferences, but I think majority across the board, you want something soft and comfortable that feels lived in, that feels kind of vintagey, um, that, um, you know, you might even be cool sleeping in like, you know, or wearing out just like you want to feel good in it. So, um, we just, I just, that's why I just kind of like prefer certain t-shirt blanks over others, just because I know that that's something I'm going to reach for. You know, if I don't know what, what to wear, I'm going to be like, that's a soft shirt. I'm going to grab that. And if all of our stuff feels that way and it feels good when you wear it, then you just think that you're probably going to be more prone to put it on. Yeah, I, uh, I am 100%. Yes. Yeah, all <laughs> the time. Every and it's almost day like a small, that like, it's dry, that it's clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a small, subtle thing. You know, you don't really think about when I'm saying, oh, I'm going to place an order for 250 t shirts. You're just like, I just want to get these t shirts. I want to get them in and I want to sell them. But then you don't actually stop to think about, like, well, w- what are we buying? You know, are people going to want to buy this? Because I agree. If, if we had some cardboardy feel t shirt, somebody walked yeah. up and kind of felt it and said, eh. No, nah, yeah, I would never wear this. You know, it matters. And then be disappointed by the way it feels and, and right. then not really want to wear it. And that's the other thing we struggled with was the that Tory color. That's a that's a tough color to yeah. find. And get the color right on the right shirt too was a Yeah, we finally found one t shirt company that makes the colors the, that forced Tory green color as close as we could get to match to that Tory and um and we just have to stick with it. <laughs> At least yeah. we have one. Um, we did what, like three or four samples that we yeah. that we kept going with, and we're just like, you know what, we're not, not gonna. It's, it's not even, yeah. Yeah, and then we landed yeah. on one, and and it it was it worked out great. Shout out to uh, the locals, merchandise department, and everybody involved <laughs> because we have more Tory Green merchandise than the club itself. Just say. <laughs> this, is, this is true and as eileen said i think they're doing a good job they've got more announcements coming and we'll be yeah. kind of recouping that space but I, I think we've pushed them a little bit which is exciting right we push them to say hey yeah. we, expect, we expect a higher standard that's on you i think in a great way that's on you to kind of say hey we, we've created the space that's, that's like, credit you know they've always been super supportive as well and, and been very yeah. complimentary on on the stuff that mm-hmm. we put out and it hasn't it hasn't I don't think led them to, you know, feel weird about it or anything. They've been really cool with the stuff we put out. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's nice to have their support as well. And and I hope that, you know, on, on our side, we can help them in any way we can to lift up their, you know, what, what they're going to be building in in their merch department. And I know they have some, they have some cool stuff coming. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, just kind of your day to day, uh, just to let people know, just for the record, what a director of merch looks like in a supporters group that's <laughs> budding and growing and still figuring itself out in this yeah. COVID era. What what does that feel like for you? I know what it looks like because I'm, I'm the person in your ear most of the time saying, what's up with this? <laughs> and pricing and let's fix shipping on this thing. And I drew um, 1030. Yeah. Why are you texting me about this? <laughs> yeah, you, you, Drew, you set on yourself this. up for this one, dude. She's about to tear you apart. Go for it. Oh, <laughs> I'm for a reason. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, a lot of it starts, and I will consistently give Travis his, his props because he deserves all of the credit. Um, but it really starts with his creative genius of just, you know, um, taking the cool. Um, ideas and the logos and the branding that Brandios came up with. And then just, you know, I don't know how he does it. Like just the way his mind works, he comes up with the most creative things and just these ideas <laughs> just spring out of nowhere. I'll have a random, he'll text me a random graphic he's designed. He's like, let's put this on a shirt. I'm like, okay, uh, let me take a look at it. And make it work. <laughs> so a lot of the, a lot of the stuff comes from his genius brain, some back and forth with discussing ideas with him. Um, and then um, a lot of our merch now is done through a third party company, which makes it a little bit easier for us that we don't have to, you know, manage fulfillment and, and stock management and all that. So um, that end of it has been nice. Uh, it's been it's been nice to just hand that printing and fulfillment off to the, the other company um, to take care of. And basically, we just set up our designs on whatever. Um, t-shirt or tank top or hoodie blank that uh, we opt to put it on. We've got a couple mugs. We've got cool flip-flops. Um, hopefully we'll, you know, come up with more cool things. They've got a lot of options. Uh, with COVID, it's been a little bit of a struggle to uh, to get through the fulfillment times, but I think they're finally catching up and getting back to their regular turnaround times. So things are kind of moving forward quickly. But yeah, so just day to day, I've been having to keep track of orders coming in and going out and just making sure nothing's getting left behind. And if they are, I just check in with, with the third party company and make sure that uh, we haven't missed anything. And it's been a little bit of a growing pain here and there, especially with COVID, but, uh, but I think we've got everything back on track and it's looking good and we've got some cool ideas. So don't want to, you know, dump a bunch of new stuff on everybody like all the time, but um, but it's exciting, you know, like we have a cool idea. We want to put it out there so that people can enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, it's not, we're not like a, a, just a store, but it gives us a chance to kind of share our fun ideas with everybody and, and let them partake in that. I think that's, well, a, yeah, that's a big part of the supporter group, though. That's a huge yeah. part of the supporter group is yeah. being able to be creative and being able to do uh, just a bunch of random, interesting yeah. things. And I, I kind of want to know, is there anything that you can kind of uh, – spill the beans on and tell us maybe that uh, a preview that that we have coming up maybe for for some local well, stuff yeah um we what was it a couple weeks ago i released the the mandarina Jarritos. so i, I did i completely butcher that the perritos <laughs> yeah um so that shirt and we've got um you know you know they've got other flavors so we might have some other <gasps> Colors, maybe. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, so we might have those rolling out. Um, There's always sodas in the machine, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One thing yeah. that I was complaining about the other week when it was like ninety thousand degrees in San Diego, and apparently it's going to be also ninety thousand degrees this coming weekend, is mm -hmm. that there's no ladies' tank tops on, on the store yet. So oh, yeah. yeah, so I'm hoping to roll some of, some of the designs out on some tank tops because 
you know, it's, it's warm, it's summer still, so we need to take care of our women out there. Um, well, women's teas in general, that's been great too. Kind of every tea we've designed, we try to create a women's yeah. fitting tea as well, which uh, again is, you know, it's, it's basic in 2020 to say, hey, we want to be inclusive and do that. But to go the extra mile, make sure we find the right designs, find the right t-shirt that fits women. And, and we, maybe we can't offer all the colors, but we definitely want to make sure we have the right fits. And, and that's yeah, unfortunately, we are, we are a bit limited with some of the color ranges with the, the ladies' sizes, um, which is unfortunate, but you know, we, want to get it, it, we can only get what we can get, you know, but we, we're trying to always make sure that every fan feels like they have something they love that fits them great. And, yeah. and Eileen has been a huge part of making sure the sourcing is, is there and that we have the option. And I will say that's something that, again, you, your thought process has been awesome for all of our fans in that way. I think we've come a long way from, uh, from musicians and sports teams selling only big boxy, ugly unisex exactly. oh, that's what I'm saying. yeah I also yeah. wanted to add that you know there is a parallel between you know the supporters group selling merchandise and touring dance selling merchandise and that the funds that we raise from merchandise sales is like an immediate income to both the band and the group and you know when we were on the road our merch sales paid for our hotel rooms they paid for gas food, you know, it really like kept us running literally because the band wouldn't see any actual, you know, money from their shows come in until after the fact. Same with the the supporters group, you know, a lot of the funds that we raise, we donate to charity, but we also use a lot of it to, you know, obviously we wish we could be doing more events right now, but you know, we've still got people materials to pay for. There's, there's definitely like the merchandise goes back into the supporters group to help us do fun events and do things like people and, you know, put more merchandise out there. Yeah, philanthropy, which is part of our core mission, right? We've been tied into donating about a thousand dollars to philanthropy through our merch donations just alone. Yeah, the, uh, the pride shirt did yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna, yeah, I was gonna agree. The pride shirt did great, and I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to put that out there and, and make a nice donation. I have to say, go check out episode three, the hidden episode that we did not release for ages with Mr. <laughs> There's a reason there was a lot of tequila involved. <laughs> with, with Tom. Uh, Tom is a fantastic why gentleman. Eileen left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I saw the, the amount of tequila like, come out. She's I'm like, gonna drive I'm home. gonna get myself in trouble if I stay here. <laughs> so, t- yes, our director of philanthropy, uh, Tom, is just fantastic. So please go check out episode three. So just, that's all I wanted to jump in and say. Um, and that's, uh, you know, kind of one thing that i feel like we missed out on and that was asking eileen about her connection to the sport of soccer not being just with the locals not being just with the outlaws and the men's national team but also the women's national team Mm -hmm. there was a certain trip that you took back in uh in the 90s late 90s yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I wish that I could have made it to the 1999 Women's World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Me too. Um, man. Yeah, my dad and I flew out to L.A. from Hawaii. Um, it was 99, so I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> to do some math there. Um, and I was definitely... Um, and now we all know her age, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
I was definitely heavily involved with soccer, uh, playing soccer at that age. Um, my dad was a volunteer rep with AYSO, so it was something that he and I enjoyed a lot together. Um, but yeah, we flew out to LA together and um, attended the Women's World Cup Championship game at the Rose Bowl. It was so hot that day. Um, and I just very vividly remember getting so sunburned and just like the bleachers being super tight. <laughs> um, but it was, it, I've never, I don't think I've ever been around that many people. Like it was so yeah. packed full of people. I, I wish I had like a, I mean, I'm sure you guys could find a capacity count or whatever for that game, but um, just like the whole spectacle of it, you know, just um, musical performers um, and then the game. And of course, you know, the, how the game ended and just like stripping off of the jersey and just like the intensity of the shootout and um I, I don't know it's funny because um now looking back there's there's so much discussion about how you know it was the height of you know just like the first time women's soccer was so um monumental in american sports and and just what a turning point it was for women um professional athletes and but as a you know as a 15 year old girl who just loves soccer and and you know loves these women on the on the pitch you don't you're not thinking about what it means for women in sports you're just like in all these these people you look up to i mean i had mia ham's posters on my wall um it just it, it was just like and then to be there in person and see them play like it's not like i could watch them on tv you know in in hawaii i was I think I was getting, like, I think the poster came from, like, probably an AYSO magazine or something that I got in the mail once a month. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really cool trip. Um, Have you talked to Shannon about it? We talked briefly about it um, a while ago. It was, it was at a soccer's match when she was playing in one of the celebrity, like, halftime oh, games. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she, she told me that one of her friends has, like, a big panoramic um, stadium, or maybe she has a big panoramic panoramic stadium photograph from that game the crowd and, and her friends have come over and like showed her oh i was sitting here i was sitting here i don't even remember where i was sitting but um it was in the bleachers somewhere <laughs> um yeah we talked briefly about that and just cool. just how cool it was just the just the stadium itself is a beautiful place i mean it's it that plus yeah. the moment is it's, it's a beautiful place to have that kind of memory and it's totally. it just the smells the the idea of the day I've is something always, that I, I will always be jealous of you for because it's it's pretty cool. It, it was so long ago. I, I I I was. I mean, it was so long ago. I like. There's only you know very specific <laughs> memories I have of that day. I mean, for one, how hot it was is very very strongly. Yeah, that, that's true <laughs> of the Rose Bowl in a lot of contexts. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 I've been to the Rose Bowl on two other. Everyone has ever been there. Since yeah. Um. One one occasion was I saw it in sync there when I was a teenager as well. I also flew to LA for that. Uh, from Hawaii, yeah. and then the other occasion is my my parents came out from Hawaii and we went to go see University of Hawaii football play UCLA there. My dad's a UCLA cool. grad, so that was that was there fun. You go. Yeah, Roosevelt's a yeah. cool place. That's awesome. It's a it's an amazing stadium, and I, I will say it, it's just one thing that again, Eileen is an amazing person. She has a lot to talk about. Find her on. We didn't get to talk about Padres Twitter. We had that as a line <laughs> item here. We just didn't have a chance to get to it, but That's maybe okay. on a future pod. But. Is there anything else, Eileen, that you want to say to our members? Is there anything else you want to just say to the people who have um, loved what you've done, I think, so far and, and really resoundingly told us that it's one of, been one of the best parts of what we've put together and, and we have to quickly credit you um, as well as Travis, obviously, but very much you for the quality and the way that people feel about the merch and really love it. Um, is there anything you want to say to those people that are that are kind enough to give us their money and also give no. us their time? 
yeah, no, just thank you, you know, for the support and for being super encouraging and um, just the kind words that people have sent to us about about our merch game. <laughs> um, it's you never know, you know, you put stuff out there and just hope people like it, and then when they do, when they when they love it and they they have nice things to say about it, it just it's a really cool feeling to to have that kind of feedback. So um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get past all of this COVID and um, I can start seeing people in person again. Um, unfortunately, you know, until they find a way to get us past all of this, um, it's really hard to do in-person things. So um, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed for next season that I can see people face-to-face -face and chat with everyone again because the merch booth is the place to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and if people have ideas, I mean, oh, bring them. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm in op I'm open to that. I'm not, you know, it's not just my thing. I would love to if people have cool ideas and they they want to see it happen. Like I would love to talk to people about it. Yeah, join we Twitter. Garbs this this last year. Maybe we can have six next year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shut up, Drew. But it's the fact we had three is because she's so gifted at what she does and being able to choose three awesome ones. Is very, so, and she just ahead, stabbed you in the heart with her eyes. I was like, kidding. What I was just saying wrong she's amazing at what you. she does. Yeah. Go ahead, Jerry. No, I was just gonna. No, I agree with you, but except not on the six scarves. That's ridiculous. What's wrong with you, Drew? No, that's stupid. <laughs> that, was a, that was a joke. We're being yeah. silly just because let, we can. Thank you for being on. We're I'm gonna give you some more work. Fight for Eileen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm go, go ahead and follow follow Eileen. Follow. Go ahead and follow. It's time to go because <laughs> I can't spoke right. Uh, follow <laughs> Eileen at. at Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N-B-U-R-N-S, Eileen Burns on Twitter, and uh, go bother her there and tell her all your ideas and say, <laughs> this is how I think that the locals' empire merchandise needs to happen. Um, but obviously, we, we're doing the best that we can, and you can hear from Eileen, we have the right person that is in charge right now. And it's crazy because uh, I would have never thought of having some sandals, but for some reason, we now have sandals in the store. And <laughs> that is Diego, so dude. San Diego. That is the yeah. most San Diego thing. I feel like the next step is going to be having a local surfboard. Maybe oh, a bathrobe so you can do your coffee oh, and your I, locals oh, bathrobe. Oh, that's good, too. That's good, too. Yeah, maybe hey, guys, keep the ideas in Slack. Come on. <laughs> okay, fine. All right, you guys. Fine, all right, that's, that's it. That's going to do it for us. Steve said, all right. Like he, he basically said that in such a way where like he we, presidentially we're done. Hit the gap. <laughs> we are done. It's ninety minutes in, right? Yeah. No. Thank you yeah, so I much. He needs to sleep, but we all need to as well. I think we all know? do. Um, you all get to go to sleep. I'm gonna edit this and uh, put it up. So, uh, yeah. No, it's been great. Uh, we uh, appreciate Eileen joining us here for this podcast. We're gonna again in our search to kind of make sure to bring you in a little bit more into what the the behind the scenes is of the supporters group we're going to be bringing in more of leadership eileen was awesome to join us and hopefully now more people will be like hey this wasn't so bad maybe i can do that as well and it'll be good eileen right you're gonna convince some people and or help them. hear my dumb voice and be like nah i don't want to sound like ah, that i don't even <laughs> say it <laughs> no 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 we need to convince tom i really want to get tom in here i feel like that's going to be like the uh like you said, Drew, the uh, the Pikachu. So we'll see. The Pikachu. Or Travis, yeah, it's a Pikachu. Oh, did, yeah, I'm in Travis. I don't know. We what had Tom. We already have. Well, we have Tom Blick. I'm too, in. So I'm in Travis. Tom oh, Blick, my. I think he jumped. I'm just out gonna keep drinking. 
Just keep drinking. It's right. That means right. the podcast That's is it. over at this point. It's over. We can't We're done. In the right leadership that uh, we want to have. No, yeah, it's completely over. Episode twelve. I'm two in hours ahead in the Christmas room. Nothing makes sense. We should just we should call it a day and let's beat Vegas. Okay, that's that sounds like a plan. So for for (laughs) Steve Brokaw, for Mr. Drew Steck, and for Miss Eileen Burns, my name is Jerry Jimenez. Thank you for hanging in there. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.